This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more, go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and use the J. Scott promo code when signing up to receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. I'm your host, J. Scott, and I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we are going to be talking about New Mexico with Tom McReynolds of Black Mountain Outfitters Incorporated. And I've known Tom for several years and um, excited to get his insight on New Mexico with the draw deadline coming up here March 23rd. Um, we've got a week or 10 days here before this episode or before the um, draw odds are due. And uh, it's going to be great to pick Tom's brain. He's uh, one of the best outfitters in New Mexico. Tom, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Jay? Oh, just fine. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about uh, your operation and uh, what you guys provide over there in New Mexico? Well, we primarily operate in Unit 12 and 13. That's kind of our bread and butter. Um, we have almost 400,000 acres of private ground in Unit 12 and 13. Uh, most of it's in Unit 12. Uh, you know, our main our main thing is that we, you know, control a lot of land and we have a lot of land on our tags, but we also, we also do public draw hunts and I believe it or not, our public hunting is, is some of the best hunting that there is. Um, you know, we kill some incredible bulls on public land. It's not a real highly competitive area for outfitters, um, because there is a lot of private land. So we kind of have a niche in, in what we do. Um, our public draw odds there are very good if you're in with an outfitter and we've got access to a lot of public land that's landlocked and you know, other people can't get to. So um, it's, it's an area that's very, um, you know, it's very glassable. It's a high desert area. It's not typical of your Gila units uh, down South, like the 15s and 16s that are more thick and, uh, you know, have more public land. It's, it's just a little, little bit of a different ball game where we're at. We also we also do a little bit in Unit 10, which is up a little further north. Um, we'll get into that, but a little bit in Unit 10, occasionally in Unit 15, and occasionally in Unit 17. Gotcha. And um, Tom, speaking about Unit 12, which is your bread and butter unit, um, can you kind of give me some cities uh, that are on you know the boundaries or in the middle uh, so that people can geographically get an idea of where unit 12 sits they have you have highway 60 that runs east out of Springerville Arizona and it runs straight across to Socorro New Mexico and that's pretty much the south southern boundary of unit 12 and unit 13 for the most part uh, the highway 60 once it crosses the state line everything north of highway 60 um, all the way to Pie Town, everything north is uh, is Unit 12, and it runs clear up to the Zuni, <clears throat> the Zuni and the Navajo reservations. Um, unit 13 starts in Pie Town, and it actually runs north all the way to I-40, um, and then it also there's a little a little part of it that goes south of Highway 60 in between Pie Town and Dattle. Um, there's a little kind of a, just a little horn that sticks down south of Highway 60, more down in towards the Gila. But Unit 13, what you'll see is, is one of the biggest 
elk units in the state, if not the biggest. It's a very, very big area. It runs, I mean, from corner to corner, almost from Pytown, New Mexico, clear almost to Albuquerque, New Mexico. So, I mean, you're talking about a large area. What are we talking there from top to bottom? You know, 70, 80 miles? Or we t- what are we talking? Yeah, you'd probably be from north to south, you'd probably be at least uh, 60 or 70 miles. And east to west, you're more along the lines of 100 miles at least. I mean, it's it's a big area. There is a lot of Indian reservation <clears throat> mixed into it and some private land, but that's kind of what makes it, kind of gives it to, its, uh, you know, it's an advantage because they all have places that they disappear to that they can't be hunted and then they reappear. Um, and they move a lot. I mean, elk in our units move, I mean, they move tremendously. I mean, the thing about our country is, is it's all dependent upon uh, moisture and where the feed is. And these elk can move crazy. I mean, they can move 30 to 60 miles just to find, find good feed. So every year is different. It's always a roll of the dice. Um, it's not... A lot of your other areas, I mean, guys see the same bulls every year. They know where those bulls are going to be. That's not the way it is in our area. We don't see the same bulls every year. I mean, our bulls move around. Occasionally, we see the same bulls, but generally, these elk move, um, and they, they go with the feed. It's a it's a high desert area, so it's it's a lot more cactus, uh, pinyon, juniper, rimrock. Um, some areas are real thick. There is a little bit of pine, thick pine in Unit 13. Uh, for the most part, though, it's 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 you know it's a little bit of a lower elevation with more rim rock and um, volcanic rock too. There's a lot of a lot of volcanic flows with little what you call little you know they're just little cones out in the middle of uh, thickets. Um, it's it's just a little different country than most people are used to hunting. So units 12 and 13. Uh, is there some pretty good glassing in both units, and or and or which one's better for glassing? Twelve is better for glassing. Uh, Thirteen, some areas are are good for glassing. It's such a big unit, it has such a diverse, uh, you know, terrain. Um, it, they're both great for glassing. Thirteen has more areas though that are 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 thick and tougher to glass. There is there tends to be more water in unit thirteen from what I've I've seen and found. Um, so it can make it a little harder to hunt, you know, water during archery season in Unit 13 because there would be a lot more tanks. I mean, draw, like you, if you get into a particular draw in Unit 13, it may have a series of three or four tanks in, in a short, you know, half mile to a mile area where and you're pretty much, the elk are there, but you don't know which tank they're going to come to and they, they never consistently hit the same tank. Unit 12, the water is more, is more controlled by the, the, the ranch, um, the ranchers, the private land. So, um, you know, it's a little more predictable on what's going to happen there when you're trying to hunt water in the early season. Um, comparing unit 12 to unit 13, um, which one has more elk? Um, 12 has a higher density of elk. 13 has a lower density. Your elk are more pocketed, but you'll find more older age class bulls in 13. Um, and the reason for that is because 13 is a primitive weapon, only unit, muzzleloader and archery. And the muzzleloader season that they run there is middle of October. So you don't get to hunt peak of the rut. Um, you, you, you pretty much. In other words, the bulls, the bulls, 
you don't hunt the peak of the rut, so the bulls actually get to get a little bit bigger because they don't have quite as high of success. Exactly. Yes, they they don't. Um, unit twelve. I mean, it still it still produces monsters. I mean, these bulls. What divides the two units is a dirt road, and these bulls can move back and forth. Twelve's um, got some stuff in it that some there's some very large private ranches there that don't get hunted at all. There's a lot of Indian reservation land. And having those types of scenarios, I mean, it it produces some monsters. I mean, we killed a bull this year that's 440 inches gross, official. And wow. that bull... I mean, on that on bull, the archery hunt or what yeah, hunt? Yeah, on an archery hunt. I mean, we had never seen this bull before. Um, we had heard rumors of him being seen, but, you know, he came out of some country that doesn't get hunted at all. So, I mean, having areas like that, you know around our ranches, I mean, it always, you know, tends to produce a couple of just monsters. I mean, we killed a couple of bulls this year that were around that 400-inch mark or above on the private land, even though I, I would still say that, you know, Unit 13 has a better average top-end bull. But, you know, the scenario is every year, typically the biggest bull we do kill is in 12. There, there's, there's a higher density of elk in 12, I mean, 320 to 360 is kind of the wheelhouse for us in that unit, depending on the feed. I mean, if the feed's good, I mean, we can average 340 to 350 all day long. If the feed's not good, our average will drop down to that 320, 330 class. Unit 13, though, I mean, I've never, even in bad horn growth years, I mean, you're seeing a lot of 340, 350 and better bulls. Um, and there's always some monsters around. I mean, there's always some really big bulls, you know, 380 plus. So, you know, it's, but the, they're more pocketed in 13. They're, they're smarter. They get hunted. You know, it's a lot of public land. They get, they get hunted a little differently on public land than they do in private. So the elk are a little smarter. They're a little, a little more shy to calls. They're, they get bumped around a little bit more. Um, on private land, like in unit 12, we don't do that. We don't, hunt our elk that way i mean we're very careful with how we hunt them so the elk don't get you know they don't get engaged engaged as much so they're they're not as flighty whereas in 13 they get educated real quick so okay that that's all good stuff um i'm looking at uh, my go hunt insider and looking at the draw odds for and this is the regular the non-outfitted draw odds for unit 12 uh, the, the September 1st through September 14th, uh, 15% first choice, 8.7% second choice, and 9.1% third choice. And then the second hunt, September 12th through September 24th, 7.7, 4.6, and 4.8. Uh, contrast that to unit 13. Uh, September 1st through September 14th is 9.9, .9, so it's a lower percentage draw, 5.9, 6.2, and then the September, uh, I believe it's the September 15th through the 24th, uh, 4.7, 2.8, and 2.9. How does the outfitter draw, so people putting in with you, how much better does it get draw odds wise? Uh, it increases it quite a bit because we get as outfitters, we get 10% of the tags set aside for us. 
the non the non guided hunters, um, which are primarily all non residents, they're only going going after they only get six percent of the tags. So if you really start punching the numbers, and I, I go, you know, I do that a lot, just looking at different trends with different, you know, different units and you know different years, and um, I mean, it, it increases your odds because you have a higher percentage percentage of the tags that are, you're going after, and there's not a lot of outfitting pressure in 12 and 13, so your applicant numbers are pretty low. Um, it's definitely gotten more competitive in the past two years. I can tell you that. It used to be extremely easy to draw tags um, in in these units, and you also something we haven't really touched on yet. But unit ten, unit ten's a it's kind of a sleeper unit a little bit, but there's a lot of pressure there. But there's some really good bulls. The reason is there's a lot of our big bulls from twelve and thirteen kind of flow back and forth on that southern Where border. Where does ten lie? Ten, ten lies ten, to the south. Ten, ten kind of is on the it's on the north end of unit twelve and thirteen. It kind of cradles. Um, under under I forty, kind of cradles down and sits on the on the on the west side of unit thirteen and on the north side of unit twelve. Um, you know we we hunt that on and off. We've had very good success there, but it's typically very very tough hunting. Don't see a lot of elk. There's a lot of hunting pressure, but the elk we do get on there are big. Um, but you know the the, the draws in that unit are, are pretty high. But that's not for not for everybody to to go do. Um, there are some private land issues there, uh, you know. So you kind of have to you have to know that going into it. You're going to have some private land issues. You're going to have a lot of hunting pressure, um, but you have a chance of killing a giant. Your 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 odds of drawing are definitely higher. Um, you know, when people go hunt that unit, they either have a really good hunt or a really bad hunt. <laughs> so gotcha. you know, it, it, it's like when I when I consult with a client about if we're going to apply in that unit, I just have to be very open and upfront that hey, this could be tough. Don't expect to see a lot of elk. Your odds are really good at getting a tag, you know, because some guys get frustrated. They they apply for 12 and 13, or they've been applying in other units, with, and they get frustrated because they're not pulling tags and they want it. They want to just go hunt, and so that's always an option to put them in into unit 10, and, and the odds are good but it can be tough hunting. We've we've had an extremely high kill percentage in Unit 10. I mean, it's very, very high, but the quality of the hunt that the hunters actually have and how many elk they see is, is tough. I mean, a lot of times they're not killing elk till the last day and they haven't seen hardly any elk. Whereas if you come into 12 and 13, I mean, you're seeing bulls every day. I mean, you're seeing lots of bulls, lots of good bulls. You know, there's a lot of action. Um, you know, that's let's let's take a quick break here and then we'll dive right back into it. Utah Hydrographics is in the water transfer printing service and they are open to whatever you can dream up. Choose from a wide range of camel patterns, designs, and colors. Whether it's guns, bows, tools, rifle stocks, vehicles, steering wheels, fenders, dashboards, paint guns, fishing rods, cups, tripods, watches, knife grips, helmets for a local sports team or for your motorcycle, picture frames, mailbox, animal skulls, you name it, they can probably do it. Utah Hydrographics loves taking things that are general looking and turns them into something that looks fantastic and eye-popping. Give them a call and see what they can do for you and receive up to a 10% discount by using the J. Scott 16 promo code. Visit them at utahhydrographics.com or on Instagram at Utah 
Hydrographics. Whether you are interested in elk, deer, antelope, bighorn sheep, or moose, Western Hunter and Elk Hunter magazines will bring the adventure to your mailbox. These publications feature articles on the finest hunting gear, tips and tactics from experienced hunters, field judging trophies, glassing techniques, calling strategies, and much more. To become a more knowledgeable and skilled hunter, subscribe today. Go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott and enter your email address for a chance to win a $1,500 credit towards any Swarovski product. Okay, Tom, I'd like to talk to you about um, season dates. Um, It looks like September 1st through the 14th and then September 15th through the 24th. Uh, in 2016, I'm looking at the moon phase calendar right now. The moon is full on the 16th of September. So at the, at, uh, the very beginning of the second season, it's going to be a full moon. Um, first question is how much do you think that moon's going to play into, um, the success of that hunt? That's first question. Um, I'm a little unorthodox with the, with the moon. I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't look at it as hard as most guys do. Um, we've killed big bulls and had great success, whether it be a full moon or whether it be a dark moon. Um, every year is different with the rut over there. I mean, I've seen it. We've been in a in a cycle lately where the rut starts early and it goes late. I mean, it's just it seems like over the past few years it's it's gotten really spread out um i mean there's it's almost like every different group of elk is a little has a little different temperament you know as far as how active they are when they're active i mean i've had you know i've had guides come back in one day and you hear different stories about different groups of elk because i have guides that are spread out over a 200 mile you know area and you know, one guy will have elk that are bedded until dark, and the other guy has elk that came out at three o'clock and are feeding. You know, and it'd be on the same the same day. So it's sometimes there's no 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 rhyme or reason to what's going on. Um, here here's the thing about the season dates: what guys have to realize those first season dates, in my opinion, are the best. The first through the fourteenth. That's if you want to kill a really really big bull. That's when you that's when you hunt. I mean that the kill percentage is lower at that time because they're not rutting as strong. But the biggest bulls we have ever killed in history have been in those dates. Um, it's just you can't argue with the facts. I mean we've killed some monsters and they've typically all been within the first ten to twelve days of September. Once you get after that point, those big bulls have groups of cows gathered up and they're very difficult difficult to kill. You start killing more satellite bulls uh, later later in the season. Now the action is great. If if a guy's in it for the action, he wants to hear bulls going crazy and just have tons of action. Yeah, then go ahead and hunt later. But if you want a chance at a monster, hunting early, especially in an area like ours where you can glass, you want to you want to be hunting the first ten to twelve days of September. Those big bulls are there, and they're very very vulnerable because they they. Generally, you're trying to gather cows, but they have, they're just about to gather cows. So you can actually call them sometimes, or you can glass them up while they're by themselves, and you can sneak in on them and, and kill them. Um, you know, the 440 bull we killed this year, we actually did kill him later. That's the first giant, giant bull that we've killed 
late like that. And honestly, that bull should have been killed earlier in the season. He just he just got lucky. Um, you know, so I mean, I personally I had a tag this past year. I mean, I I hunted unit thirteen on the early season and I killed a, a three ninety class bull on about September tenth. So, I mean it's you just can't argue with the early season. I mean, a lot of guys have been burned on the early season. They don't, you know, they don't, um, they don't like it because the bulls aren't bugling and they can't get on them. But in areas like ours where you can glass, you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily need the bulls to be bugling. You know, um, if it, if it's a, if it's a dry year, you can hunt water very effectively early. And not every year is like that. I mean, some years we have tremendous amounts of rain and that can be the other, the other downfall to the early season is that it can be hard to get around. The roads in these units are just horrendous when it gets wet. So, you know, if you don't have a quad or a ranger, sometimes you can't get anywhere. And that can be very frustrating on the early season. Usually, once you get into those later dates, it is drier and, you know, the the, the monsoons have quit and um, you can get around. But I'll tell you, lately, weather, you can't rely on anything. I mean, two years ago, I mean, it was so wet on the second season that when we had more weather issues on the second season than we did on the early season, which is not normal. But what I've learned recently is you just can't rely on the weather at all. I mean, it's all across the board. So you just kind of, you kind of go with it. What would you say, um, as far as the roads getting bad, so in other words, when it's dry, it's really, really dry and dusty. And as soon as you add moisture to it, it's just that clay and, and soil, it's just slicker than anything. Yeah, it is. I mean, when you're heading out in the mornings, you know, typically in these areas, you only see other hunters on the main roads. I mean, you don't very rarely, like in Unit 13, very rarely do you see a hunter in the field. Now, Unit 10, that's a different story. Uh, unit 12, there's low tag numbers very low tag numbers and so you you won't see any hunters in the field but typically you're seeing them on these main roads and i mean there's been so many mornings and and evenings when i mean there will be multiple people just i mean they're just they're done i mean they're 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 stuck they're they're not going anywhere their hunt's over before it even started because the roads can get so bad especially when it rains at night and you try to go you, you know you try to get out to where you need to go early in the morning i mean which most of these hunters in these units, I mean, they, they travel quite a bit to where they're going to hunt because, you know, it's, it's, it's a big area and, you know, typically a lot of them don't even camp. Typically a lot of them stay down at highway six, you know, closer to highway 60 or, you know, in a, in a small town, you know, around there or whatever. But um, it can be, it can be a huge issue with the weather and, and getting around. How many tags for the archery, the first season archery in 12, and how many tags for the second season archery in 12? I want to say there's 20 tags this year, maybe 15. Actually, it's 15 and 15. Very low. Total numbers. or total or non-resident tags? Um, non-residents would be there will be one tag issued in unit 12 on those on each of those two hunts. So the, there's only um, 15 tags total on those archery hunts. Yeah, fifteen. Well, it's fifteen for the first season and fifteen for the second season. Wow, total. Yeah. That's the total amount of archery hunters. Very low, yes. Okay, so that, and then what was that? So I didn't realize that it was such low hunter pressure. So what you're saying is you've got 
giant units with only 15 guys total that can draw those permits. Total. Yeah, and they re the reason they do that in Unit 12 is because it's primarily private land. So what we do, on, on like on my end, I control a good majority of that private land. So we we try to get you know we try to get our clients those just for the for the for the for the non-guided hunters, there's probably going to be one tag issue out of that 15. For the guided hunters, there's going to be one, possibly two tags issue for each one of those hunts. Um, gotcha. The good thing about New Mexico is they give you three choices. So typically, like on, on our clients, we put them in for a unit 12. You know, say one of these hunts only has 15 tags. We put them in for that as their first choice. And then as their second and third choices, we put them in for unit 13 because there's a lot more tags in unit 13 that are available to non-residents. How many unit, tags in 13 for the first and the second hunt? Um, you're looking at 175 total tags on the first hunt in unit 13. So 6% of those will go to non-guided hunters and 10% will go to guided hunters. So there's roughly 17 to 18 tags available for guided hunters. Um, the second season in Unit 13, which starts on the 15th, there's 125 tags. So you've got, you know, you've got 12 to 13 tags available for guided hunters, um, you know, and, and roughly half that for for your, you know, non-resident, non-guided hunters. And that's why the bus system is nice because you can mix and match and you know, give guys a shot at those real hard to draw tags like Unit 12, and then you know, as a second and third choices, you can put them in for, for a unit that is easier to draw. And even the guys that aren't buying landowner tags that really just want to draw a tag, you can you can have them apply as a third choice on, like, Unit 10. Their odds are going to be high in Unit 10 um, as long as they're willing to accept that the hunting is going to be tough and that there may be more pressure. But, um, yeah, they're, they're very limited areas. I mean, that's, that's why we kind of have a niche in what we do there. Um, you know, most outfitters are hunting down in the 15, 16 units, 17, down in those heel units. And there's there's some good elk down there, and there's high numbers of elk. There's a lot of public land. But if you look at the numbers, I mean, the percentages of draw and the numbers of applicants, I mean, it's it's almost like drawing a sheep tag down there. You know, it's 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 tough. Let's talk about those units. I know they're not your bread and butter units, but do you also guide in those, do you have guides that work those units? I do. I mean, my guides have, you know, they know those units very well. I personally don't, you know, do much down in there. I've, I've been, I've been hunting in units 12 and 13 for 14 years now. I mean, it's, it's, it's where I cut my teeth on outfitting. It's, it's, it's all I know. Um, I have a lot of different guides that have been doing this for 30 and 40 years and they've hunted all these units and they give me a lot of feedback. And I get a lot of feedback from clients, you know, as to, you know, what kind of experiences they've had in those units. And I, so I pretty much know exactly what's going on. Um, let's and that's talk about them. Let, let's yeah. break them down. Uh, you pick it and break it down. Well, um, let's we'll start in, let's say, Unit 15. I mean, our lodge sits right on the Unit 15 border. Unit 15 is a great unit. It's probably the most popular unit in the state, in all reality, as far as history goes. But... Um, unit 15 has got some big bulls in it, you know, some very big bulls. Uh, there's a lot of hunting pressure, though. There's a lot of tags. You know, you're, you're, some of the guides would say that it can rival unit 13, um, but there's more. There's a higher density of elk there. There's a lot of public land. Uh, you know, I mean, 
the thing about everyone has to remember, any unit in New Mexico can produce a monster. Um, there's, especially when we have good feed. I mean, these elk move a lot. Um, you just, there's no particular, like you can, in Arizona, there'd be particular units that, you know, those are really your top, you know, cream of the crop units that are going to produce 370, 380 plus bulls. In New Mexico, almost any unit can, can produce a bull like that at any given time. So you always have to keep that in mind. Um, you know, like you, the, the 15 unit, it, it's a great unit, a lot of elk. I mean, guys can go out there, especially if guys want to do it themselves. You can, you can go out there and you're going to be on elk every day. You got a lot of public land to hunt. Um, that, that unit is south of highway 60. Um, then you go down into the unit, the 16 units. I mean, your, your two most premium units down in that area are pretty much 16A and 16D. D is in uh, David. Um, those two units are phenomenal. They, they kill some really big bulls down there. Um, it's a very, very tough tag to draw. I mean, draws are really, really low. Um, Which one's better, Tom, D or A? Um, you know, I, I know uh, a guy that killed a bull in D last year that was in the 430s. Um, but A is, A is great also. I mean, they're, they're neck and neck. Um, I don't have as much personal experience in those two units as, as a lot of other guys do, but I mean, those two units are premium. And, and you, if you look at the draw odds, you'll see, you'll see that they definitely, uh, have a lot of, you know, a lot of applicants, um, you know, yeah, I'm looking at the draw odds just for the general season or the the public hunters, non guided. Um, 16A is for the archery hunt, four percent first choice, two point four second, two point five on the third. 16A second hunt is one point two, point seven four, and point seven seven, and 16D is um, one point nine, one point two, one point two, and the second hunt is point five eight, point three five, and point three six. Yeah, I mean that's you're talking <laughs> it's like winning the lottery there to draw one of those tags. And in those units, you'll have a big advantage by going with an outfit or two into the draw, um, for sure. Um, you know, I mean they have a lot of public land. You know, there's other units down there also that are a little more wilderness units, like 16B. Um, you know, 16B is kind of a, more of a wilderness unit. Guys guys that want to do it themselves and, and go do their backcountry stuff can do more, more of that type of a hunt down in there. Um, in our areas, we don't have that. Everything's accessible, pretty accessible by a road. Um, so we don't have any, any of that type of country. Um, 16E, um, E is a... Is a good unit. It, it's got a lot of private land issues, though. Um, you got to have access. That's the biggest thing in 16E. You know that that unit sits real close. It actually borders Unit 13 on the southeast. And you know, if you don't have private land access, it can be an issue. So, you know, New Mexico's got a lot of private land, which can sometimes be a good thing, sometimes be a bad thing. The one advantage in New Mexico is it has, because of that private land and the way it's set up, we have landowner tags there. And, I mean, it, it gives people the opportunity, if they want to, and spend the money to, to do a hunt every year. Um, Let's take a quick break, and then I want to talk to you about landowner tags. At GoHunt.com, we are restoring the heritage of the old and constantly redefining the new. We stay focused and put our efforts into redefining the future of Western hunting. What makes us special? 
What makes us different? We are the new breed of hunter. We are the customers that we serve. We are the innovators and we are the future. Visit GoHunt.com slash insider and join the movement. Use the J. Scott promo code when signing up and receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Since 1982, the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix has made it their goal to provide the very best customer service combined with the latest and greatest optics and accessories in the business. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods and mounting accessories for any hunter's optical needs. Go to Outdoorsman's.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code until February 28th to receive 10% off all Outdoorsman's packs and pack accessories. Okay, Tom, let's talk about, I believe the unit that we have left down there is 17. Um, what do you know about 17? 17 is a great unit. I mean, a lot of my guides love that unit. Um it is hard to get tags, though, hard to draw, and land on their tags are expensive in that unit. Um, it's got some tremendous bulls. A lot of the governor's tags in the past have come out of Unit 17. It's a very physical unit, though, for the most part, and that's the reason, you know, for what we do, uh, and I've explained it to my guides, that, you know, it, some of our clients just can't can't handle that. You know, it's too physical. Um, but for... Guys that want to do it themselves, that's a that's a great unit if you can pull a tag. I mean, there's some tremendous animals and some tremendous, you know, genetics there on um, Unit 17. It kind of sits a little southeast of Unit, well, straight south of, of uh, 13, but um, and it borders kind of your Gila units to the east. It's south of Highway 60, but it's, it's a tremendous uh, unit for quality. And, you know, it has pretty low hunting pressure, for it's a big unit, so it has low hunting pressure, low tag numbers. So it's a good spot for guys that want to do it themselves if they can pull the tag. Would you say there's any units out there that, let's say someone just wants to get drawn and, you know, pretty decent, you know, pretty darn good chance to draw and just, you know, say, you know, 300 inch bulls, um, would there be some units that you know of that, you know, would fit that bill where guys just want to go elk hunting. It's pretty decent elk hunting. You know, those units, you pretty much need to go into northern New Mexico and um, also down towards the, um, be the Mescalero, down in southern New Mexico, south central New Mexico. Those units have a lot of elk, um, you know, a lot of good bulls. Not, they're not necessarily known for really big bulls. Northern New Mexico especially doesn't produce anything really big typically. Um, I would stick with more with those areas if you just want to go on an elk hunt. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not as familiar with those units because we don't, we don't mess, mess around as far as putting people in in the draw or anything, but your odds are going to be better in a lot of those units. And, you know, there's still, you know, nice bulls there, but if you're, if you're looking for giant bulls, you need to kind of be sticking on the West central part of the state. There was a bull killed down in, I believe, unit 34 last year that was, you know, he's in the 430s. Uh, he's a he's a giant bull. I mean, so like I said earlier, any unit in New Mexico can can come up with a, a a monster. I mean, that's kind of the cool part about it is you just never know where a giant's going to show up. Gotcha. And like 34 and 36, there. Um, if I look at the draws here, they're like. Uh, well, they're not that great. 34 is 3.8, 2.3, and 2.4, and 36 for the first hunt is 7. 
4.2 and 4.4, but they're like what three. 300 to 320, 330 type areas? Yeah, yeah, I'd say, you know, you're in that 320, 330 type, type, you know, situation. They're, but like I said, there was a bull teal down there last year that was in the 430s. I mean, so, you know, you, never, you can never, you never discount know. a unit. Yeah, you can never discount a unit that it's, it's not, you know, going to just come up with a monster. But your north units, your northern units in New Mexico, there's, I think you'll find your odds are better up up in those units and there's that's a lot more of that you know two two eighty to three twenty you know type bulls up in that area and there's there's a lot of tags there's a lot of elk so i think your dogs should be better up there i don't i haven't really looked at them but from what i've heard um you know there's a lot more opportunity there okay um before we talk about your landowner tags uh, i want you to touch on the muzzleloader hunts and the rifle hunts in your bread and butter units and kind of compare and contrast that with the archery hunt and maybe tell me uh, which which season you like the best out of those. Well, the rifle hunts in Unit 12, if you look at the dates on them, there's, there's three rifle hunts in Unit 12. They're very hard to draw. There's only 20 tags in each hunt. Um, the October 1st hunt is incredible. Um, actually, all three of them are incredible. I mean, you can produce a 360 to 400 inch bull on any of those hunts, um, but very a lot of a lot of people try to draw that October 1st hunt. Um, it's great though. I mean, especially if you are with a, someone like me who has access to private land to get onto public. I mean, some of our ranches we landlock you know, over 100,000 acres of public land. That the only people that can hunt that land is people with public draw tags. Um, so I mean. Those are those are premium premium dates and guys will kill big bulls. There's a lot of country if you if you know the unit well, a lot of country you can get to um, through either private land or just you know tracks of public land that can produce really good animals. Um, the dates on your muzzleloader hunts in the 13 those can be a little dicey. Uh, every year is different. There is a youth hunt that is early. That's always a good hunt. I've only seen one out of out of ten years, you know, maybe one year that wasn't just awesome on that hunt. That that hunt starts the week before the regular season. Um, that's a so this great, year you're talking about that youth hunt that's the eighth through the twelfth of October. Eight, the yeah, eighth through hunt? the twelfth. The bulls should still be going pretty hard then. They typically start tapering off the next week. That which that hunt I believe starts on the fifteenth this year. And they, they they typically start tapering off. Now last year they didn't. I mean, they were still running hard during that time. But every year is different. I've seen years when the bulls are completely shut down. They're already pulled off of cows and they're they're heading, you know, they're in between their rut ground and their wintering ground, and that's when it's very hard to hunt them. And then there's other years when your bulls are all still with cows. I mean, they're going crazy and it's a phenomenal hunt. So it, it just seems to cycle and I don't know why, but it just seems to cycle. Every year can be a little different. And believe it or not, last year the second muzzle, the second regular season muzzleloader hunt, which starts, I want to say starts starts on the 21st or 22nd of October. It's an easier to draw hunt. That hunt last year was better than the first hunt, and I've seen it like that multiple years. That hunt is a, is a very good hunt, and my my draw guys that I put in, I try to persuade them to put in that hunt as a third choice because. 
it's been a great producer for us. I, I, in my opinion, I think it's produced just as good as the first hunt. Um, Do you think it's a second cycle situation where the, you know, the cows come back in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. I mean, and the timing, if you look at the timing, that, that makes sense. Um, it just seems like there's some good bulls that are, that show up then. And the other thing is on our end, we get, you know, we have kind of our feet on the ground so much during, because things change between archery season and gun season. The elk change, their habits change, the feed the feed changes, um, so these, their patterns change a little bit. So the guides are kind of getting more dialed into what's going on come middle of October. And they're having to stand more, more on top of the elk. But by that second season, I mean, the, the guides are honed in on some bulls that we didn't kill on the first season. And a lot of times we get them killed. It's the same thing on private land. Everybody wants to come hunt our private land hunt the 1st of October. And, yeah, we kill a lot of really big bulls on that hunt. But the second and third hunts always produce some giants because the guys, you know, it, sometimes it takes a while to get a bull killed. I mean, you can't just necessarily go out and kill them in five days. That is the one disadvantage to New Mexico seasons is that they're, the gun seasons are only five days. And five days sometimes can be a little short. I mean, if things don't go right, I mean, you can end up eating, eating a tag because it's, you know, you need a little bit more time. Uh, you know, you need like seven or eight days, you know, like Arizona gun hunts are a little bit longer. You get more time to get it done. Whereas New Mexico, you've got a five day window. You get a bad storm that comes in. I mean, you can eat up half your hunt in just bad weather. Let's talk about, uh, your landowner tags. Well, there's different situations in New Mexico with landowner tags. There are, there are what they call ranch only tags which means that a landowner a landowner tag is only valid on, on that particular ranch, on that private land. Unit 12, all landowner tags in that unit are ranch only. They do not, every, every ranch, whether it be a 600-acre ranch or a 300,000-acre ranch, they all have to have ranch only tags. Um, other units like 13 and 15 and 17, the landowners there have an option. They can either be ranch only or they can go unit-wide with their permits, okay? Unit-wide means that the tags that they're issued to their ranch are actually valid in the entire unit. But what they give up is they have to open their private ranch up to the public. So other public hunters can hunt their ranch, but their tags are valid anywhere in the unit. Whereas in Unit 12, or if, or if even a rancher in Unit 13 or 15 goes, he opts to be ranch only, his tags are only valid on his ranch, but his ranch is closed to the public. So what you'll see in like the other units, like 13, 15, 17, the guys with big ranches typically don't want other people on their ranch, and they've got enough elk on their ranch to hunt, whereas your smaller landowners will, will go unit-wide, and they'll open their ranch up to the public, and in turn, the tags that they're issued are valid anywhere in the unit. Um, and that's primarily with landowner tags. That's what we deal with. Like in Unit 13 is, is all unit-wide uh, landowner tags. We do have some private land over there. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be ranch only on that land, but you have to be real careful. You can get burned on a small ranch with a ranch-only tag. You can, you know, you, you buy a, a ranch-only tag and it didn't, 
it didn't rain there that year and your elk leave. I mean, they're gone. And um, you could you could spend five days hunting a particular ranch and not even see an elk. So that's why if you're going to do a ranch-only hunt, you need to be on a big piece of property. Um, that's that's the advantage we have. We have a lot of property. I mean, I've seen years when our private land, maybe only 40% of it actually has elk because it didn't rain on the other 60%. And we have so much ground that, you know, we're fine. I mean, all the all the elk kind of congregate in one area and you just have to kind of, you know, the, the guys just have to hunt it carefully and, you know, everyone has to communicate as to where everyone's at. But, you know, and then the next year you might have the entire ranch is covered in green feed and the elk are spread out all, all over the place. But that's what you got to be careful of. The unit wide tags, you're always safe on those because, you can you can pretty much hunt anywhere you want to in the unit that's you know open to the public. Okay, and if people want to contact you about those landowner tags, uh, they still have time. Yeah, they do. Uh, a lot of a lot of our tags are already sold out. Um, we you know we do have a list for for after the draw because what service that we do offer is is that when my clients book a landowner tag hunt, we do put them into the draw. Um, so that they can try to draw a public tag and, and save the money that they're paying for the for the landowner tag. The landowner tags are expensive. Um, so after the draw, we'll have some landowner tags come available. We do have some some muzzleloader and rifle tags that are still available right now. Um, but yeah, they can contact us. What most of my clients do, the ones that want to come on a hunt for sure, is they lock down you know, with a deposit. They lock down a landowner tag with me. And then they have me apply them in the draw. And then if they draw, I, you know, I keep their landowner tag, and they don't have to. They don't have to pay for that portion. And you know, I have clients that come along and, and buy those tags after the draw deadline. Um, so that's the most popular way to go. And then other guys don't want to spend all that money on a landowner tag, so they'll they'll just have me apply them in the draw, and they'll try to draw tags. And typically, on the average, I can get a guy a tag every three to five years in a public draw. That's all good stuff. Uh, how was your 2015 season for elk? It was the best season we've ever had. We had we had good late moisture last year. Uh, we had a, a very mild winter. I mean, we killed we killed more 350 plus bulls than ever before. I mean, it 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 was pretty unbelievable. I mean, we killed the 440 bull during archery season. Killed quite a few other bulls that were around the 400 inch mark. Some of them broken but they were definitely 400 class bulls i mean it was an incredible year um you know it all kind of hinged around the moisture you know and we've, we've been in a drought for a long time and we finally pulled out of it and we had so much moisture in the past you know since last spring that we're really all the guides agree that i think this year is going to be just as good if not better um, you know, we had a, a really wet winter. I was I was over there a few weeks ago, and I've never seen the ground so saturated with moisture. I mean, it was great. It, it hasn't, you know, we haven't had any storms in the past month. I'm hoping that we, we start to get, you know, some, some storm fronts coming through, but it should be good because that winter snow is what really gives, you know, that puts the moisture deep into the ground. Um, we, if we get some good spring feed, uh, I think you'll see, you know, just another epic year over there. Um, and that's kind of when you want to hit it because without a doubt, we'll go back into a drought. <laughs> so, yeah. 
you know, you kind of want a time when you, when you, that's what I try to tell clients. I'm like, look, if you're going to do it, if you're going to pull the trigger and buy a land on a tag, this is a year to do it. You're not, you know, you're not hitting it on a bad year. Um, so yeah, 2015 was incredible. Um, and I think 2016 will be just as, just as good. I mean, you know, we, we, we see, you know, hundreds of bulls during our hunts. Um, we, we hunt our private land hunts from September all the way through the end of December. And we have a lot of, a lot of up and comer bulls. I mean, a lot of those 280 to 340 type bulls. I mean, you, you put a year on those bulls and they're big. I mean, they definitely have the chance to be 350 plus. And, you know, like we, we try to keep, we try to manage our private land as, as you know, as, as well as possible. We, we have a 325 minimum for gun hunters on our, on our private ranches. Yeah, our bow hunters, we give them free reign to, to shoot whatever they want to shoot. But, um, you know, it's, uh, there's not many places you can go and have those types of opportunities for those kind of, kind of animals. Um, you know, Arizona is known for, and I'm an Arizona resident, I'm from Arizona and Arizona is known for just really you know, big top end bulls, but I've always preached that, you know, when we have good horn growth, I mean, we can compete with any of the best units in Arizona. What is your success rate on those um, private land muzzleloader and private land um, rifle hunts? The private land rifle hunts will run 90 to 95% kill with 100% opportunity to shoot. Um, archery hunts are typically around 50%. The muzzleloader hunts, 60 to 70%, but what we find with muzzleloader hunters is there's a lot of misses and a lot of wounding that goes on. Um, a lot of the mistake a lot of muzzleloader hunters make is they 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 kind of treat their muzzleloader like it's a rifle and they don't do their homework. And I've gotten better at preaching to them before they come and and trying to educate them as to what kind of you know what they need to be shooting, what to prepare for. Um, we have a range. We have an 800 yard range at my lodge, and I'll tell you during muzzleloader season, that range all day long is being used by one of the clients. I mean it's just guys show up and they just don't understand that muzzleloaders are not rifles and you have, they're very finicky and you've got to be prepared. Um, you know, you have to know your gun. And so that kind of hurts the kill percentage on the muzzleloader hunts. If it wasn't for that, I mean, those muzzleloader hunts would, would be 90% plus kill percentage. So, um, yeah, that would be the biggest thing I preach to muzzleloader hunters is just know your gun. Um, they're they're just they're they're just very finicky weapons. Let's take another quick break here. Have you guys heard about PhoneScope? PhoneScope is a privately held company that makes custom molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. Take digiscoping photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a hundred percent money back guarantee. PhoneScope is the future of digiscoping. Get yours now. Use the JScott16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at PhoneScope. That's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com or on Instagram at PhoneScope. Wilderness Athlete is committed to improving the health and quality of life for the outdoor athlete by providing field-tested, scientifically validated nutrition and sports performance products. Check them out at wildernessathlete.com 
and use the JScott promo code to receive 10% off any order in February 2016. Tom, tell me about uh, the lodge uh, where your hunters stay. Uh, we have a lodge in Pytown, New Mexico, which Pytown is is roughly 60 miles from the 50, 60 miles from the state line. Uh, we can get to Springerville, Arizona, in about an hour from our place. We built the lodge about four, I think it was four years ago. Um, you know, I've been I've been outfitting New Mexico for 14 years. We started out in wall tents and travel trailers, and we've moved all the way up to now having. Probably what was probably the biggest and nicest lodge you know that you'll find anywhere over there. I mean, we have a lot of amenities at our place that are are designed. You know, it's not like a, a five star lodge like some of these high fence ranches you see in Texas or wherever. This is a you know we we built this place around hunters. I mean, for trophy hunters, we have an 800 yard rifle range. We have a 120 yard archery range. You know, we've got walk-in coolers, walk-in freezers. We've got individual cabins so that guys can have privacy. You know, we've, we've our main lodge where everyone hangs out is is kind of like the area that everyone comes to gather and eat. And um, you know, everyone kind of goes back to their own quarters so they have privacy. You know, we've got internet and you know, it, you know, television as far as you know, guys that want to watch football they can come back and watch football. You know, we kind of cater to everybody. We've got clients that that want to stay out all day and hunt all day and be hardcore, and we've got other clients that want to come back and you know watch football on Sunday, and they need to work. They got they have businesses they need to continue to run while they're hunting. So you know we offer it all. We're not you know we don't just cater to one type of hunter. I mean, we've and our guides are the same way. I mean I tell the clients when you get there, I'm like you just need to talk to your guide and tell him what you want to do. I said, if you want to stay out and hunt all day, you tell him. You tell him. You know that that you're you're up for that, and the guide will you know he'll he'll accommodate you, and you guys will stay out all day. I said, if you need to come back, you need to come back to you know do internet work or or make phone calls. Tell your guide that you got to come back, and 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 I give the guides free reign to do what the client wants to do, and that's why we have such a high return rate of clients. I mean. I can honestly say we, you know, we take a lot of clients on these hunts. We probably have a 97 to 98% you know return, uh, ha- you know, satisfied client rate because we do flex with everybody. I mean, we we offer you know the whole spectrum of of what a, a client may want on a hunt. I mean, because everybody's different. You know, it's it's uh, there's no there's no one certain type of client. And, um, you know, I, what I have found, honestly, is that since we've, we've built the lodge and got away from the wall tents and the travel trailers and roughing it, you know, we used to rough it. And now that we don't, our, our client return rate has gone through the roof. So that, that says it all right there. Um, we're still killing really big bulls. I mean, we're actually killing bigger bulls now than we were before. Um, and, you know, that has to do with other factors, more private land. Um, guy, you know, our guides have, have been hunting these areas for so many years now that, I mean, we just we just know these areas like the back of our hand. I mean, if we can't find elk in one spot, we we have 20 other spots we go to until we find them. That's the biggest disadvantage that self-guided hunters have is they don't have that year in and year out knowledge of where to go when it's tough because every year is different in our in our country. Um, and you've got to be able to have plan 
you know, A, B, C, D, E. I mean, you've got to have different spots to go. And, you know, a do-it-yourself hunter a lot of times doesn't have the time to try to learn all that and to try to learn access to certain spots. Um, like in Unit 13, there's some of those ranches are, are unit-wide ranches that you can actually hunt. But for a hunter to figure out which ranch that is and which private property that is, that's tough. There's, there's almost no way to know for sure. And the amount of time it takes to get educated on that just kind of burns up your scout time. So that's why, you know, that's why, you know, we do what we do. I mean, we know our areas. We know which ranches are unit wide. We know how to get to where we need to get. I mean, I have the same guides year in and year out. And we're always on, on big bulls. I mean, we're always on elk because um, we, we, you know, we have that history. I mean, we've been doing this for a long time. So good stuff there. Um, anything that you don't think we covered on elk hunting? And then I want to talk to you about uh, mule deer and antelope. I think we pretty much covered it all. Okay, good. Um, moving on to mule deer, how is the quality of mule deer hunting in the areas that you hunt? As far as quality goes, there's phenomenal quality. I mean, there are great bucks, and typically you see them when they're in the velvet. Unfortunately, our season dates are are tough. The season dates are what make it, you know, that really make it, you know, tough. Um, they don't let us hunt during the rut. You know, we're we're typically we're seeing our biggest bucks early in the season, like during archery season, and that's something I offer to a lot of our archery hunters is, is I actually give them a deer tag because on our private land, we can give them land on our deer tags. And I let them, I let them have a deer tag in their pocket. Um, this year we had a elk hunter who was hunting our private and he ended up, they found a buck that was probably about, we figured 205 typical. I mean, a giant mule deer. And I mean, literally the hunter gave up hunting elk just to hunt that mule deer. I mean, he hunted that mule deer for the entire hunt. And, did he get him? Um, he didn't. No, he should have, but he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, we we don't kill a lot of mule deer in those areas, but the deer we kill are are big. I mean, when I say big, I'm I'm saying 190 to 200 plus. Um, we have sheds of a buck in my lodge that were found on one of our private ranches, and that buck goes in the 240s. So if that tells you the kind of deer, and that deer is still alive, I mean. And I can tell you, we've seen multiple deer like that that are in that 220 to 250 category. Um, giants. I mean, you can't find better genetics than that. But the season dates that they give us to hunt them are really tough. There is the archery season in September. And that, that hunt is when you'll typically see those deer when they're in full velvet. They've got a muzzleloader season. I'm speaking in unit, in unit 12 right now. Unit 12 got a muzzleloader season at the end of September. But what we find there is typically the bucks are just starting to rub their velvet. Some years they haven't yet, and some years they've already rubbed. And once they rub, they disappear. Um, and the bigger bucks tend to rub first. So you may be watching a buck, you know, during archery season. You can't get him killed with a bow hunter. And then all of a sudden you've got a muzzleloader hunt coming up, and you're just licking your chops. And that deer will disappear. I mean, it's almost like clockwork. If you don't get him killed in the first day or two of that hunt, he'll rub and he'll be gone. Um, you know, we over there we do have the opportunity. We, we plant some food plots on some of our private ranches, and we found that it is starting to attract 
some of these some of these bucks in during during the rifle season, which is in late October. Um, it draws them out of the thick junipers and the pinon. But um, you know, as far as opportunity goes, if a, if if a guy wants to do a hunt and have an opportunity to kill a monster, these are great hunts. But they have to come into it with knowing that they're not going to see very many deer, and you know, it's you just got to know that. And these tags are easy to draw, even for do-it-yourselfers. If you want to, you know, you want to draw a tag on your own and go hunt in an area with big deer, we've got big deer, but they're tough hunts and. You know, you gotta you gotta expect to put a lot of miles on, and you're gonna sit behind the glass for hours and hours. But um, you know, it's it's unfortunate that they don't give us better seasons because we could produce some of the best deer in the country if we could hunt you know, during a little better time frame. There are there are some some youth hunts that they have in like Unit 10 and 17 and 13 that are that can be good hunts. They have some good dates in there that are a little bit later you know, little, little stretches. Um, you know, but for the most part, the best time to kill those really big deer in these areas is, is during the archery season. Um, once you get into the rifle hunts, I mean, those big deer, they are just, they are hunkered down in that thick stuff and they're hard to find. Um, I, I just, I really, I really wish people could see the potential is there, but we just never have the opportunity to hunt when we can really produce that potential fully. Is there a late archery hunt uh, in January when they're rutting in unit uh, 12 or 13? In 13 there is, yes. And that can be a good hunt. The only issue you run into in those late season hunts like that is whether there's snow on the ground. And when there's snow on the ground, it's generally crunchy. Um, it can just make for very tough, very tough stalking. So there, there is a dual season in Unit 13 that you can actually hunt September and January. That's a, it's, it can be a good hunt. Like I said, it just depends on, just depends on the weather and, and what kind of snows on the ground. But you're still talking low deer densities in both of those units, so the deer can be hard to find. So it, you know, it can, it can still be tough. But Unit 12 used to have a late season archery hunt, and I wish they still did, but unfortunately they don't anymore. Are the, um, what would you say, uh, well, let me back up. If someone wanted to focus and like, I want to go deer hunting, I mean, is it feasible to really have a guide that, you know, your guide really scouts it out and like really, really focus on trying to find a big deer? And is it, is it probable or is it still, you know, very, very tough hunt? No, typically if we have deer hunters coming in, come on the rifle hunt which is the end of october we know where we've because we've been out there hunting since september 1st we know where there's big bucks we just have to find them you know so that's the advantage we have is we're out there every day from from the end of august scouting till clear through the deer season so by the time the like the rifle deer season in unit 12 happens at the end of october by that time, we know where we've seen some giant bucks. I mean, so you're you're in the area of a giant buck. It's just a matter of finding them, um, you know, and just and getting lucky, really. So, I mean, that's why I, I always tell hunters, I'm like, look, if you want to do this hunt, you're going to be hunting giant bucks, but it's going to be tough. You're going to have to get lucky and find them, and then you got to make the shot happen. 
Did you guys kill some deer last year? And if so, um, what kind of quality did you have? We killed a couple of deer, one that was in the one like mid one eighties, one that was around two hundred, and we had we had a couple of deer miss that were bombers. I mean two hundred plus. Um we Is this on the rifle or are you talking archery? Uh archery and a couple of, the the ones we killed were rifle. We didn't we didn't take any muzzleloader hunters last year. They pushed that season back a little bit too late and I just don't like the dates. It's by the time that season starts, they're typically rubbed off. So you're almost better just to come on the rifle hunt, which is at the end of October when they're completely hard horned. And at least you have the advantage of having a rifle in your hand. I mean, there was, I have photos of, of one buck alive that one of the guides took. He's, he's, he's about a 205 typical. We did not kill that deer. We then saw that deer later on a food plot, um, on a, on a rye patch. And, we tried to we tried to kill him during rifle season, and, and the client ended up killing the wrong deer. Um, but the other deer he killed was still in the 180s. Um, we have a photo, a live photo. It's it's on my Instagram, my Facebook. But you'll see that deer, and he's way over 200 as a typical. I mean, he's probably 210, 215 typical. Um, we did not kill that deer either. Uh, that deer was seen in October, right before the rifle hunt, and we just, you know, a lot of these big deer that we see, and we have so much country, and, and you know, sometimes we don't even get around to hunting them because we have other deer that we think are more killable, you know. But, um, you know, basically what it comes down to, you got a lot of country, low density of deer, and, you know, it, it makes it can make for a really tough hunt, but when you find one, he can just be an absolute bomber. So, I mean, it's perfect conditions. You've got big country. You've got some thick country. Um, you've got areas where they can, you know, grow up and get big. Um, low density. It's just perfect scenario for a, for a big deer. Yes, it is. And, you know, uh, we've we've had a couple of years ago, we, we had a muzzleloader hunt, and we ran basically 100% kill on that muzzleloader hunt with a mid-190s average. Um, that year was phenomenal. I mean, it was, we did very, very well. And then the next year we turned around and, and went, we went over, I mean, we didn't kill a deer and the deer were there, but they were just on a different cycle. We weren't able to glass them. I mean, we were seeing them at night, you know, I, you'd have big deer running across the road and the headlights, but during hunting hours, these deer were hunkered down and bedded up. So, you know, every year is a little different you know, on these deer seasons too, as far as what the deer are doing and how, how active they are. And it's, it's really tough to predict, but the one thing I can guarantee guys is that these areas have really big deer. I mean, great deer, but they're, they're difficult to hunt. So for guys that don't need to just go out and kill a buck who want to actually just trophy hunt, it's a great scenario. Um, and I, do you have people that come in and just hunt deer and they don't even have an elk tag they've got an archery deer tag and they're just there to hunt deer or, or are you don't, mainly focused on elk we, we're mainly focused on elk we don't we don't do just archery deer hunts just because we're so you know we're, we're really focused on elk that time of the year and you know that's the guides focused and everything but all of our arch all of our archery uh, elk hunters we give them all a, a deer tag um we do have guys that come in and just rifle hunt for deer late in october and, um, and, you know, that way they're focused. We do have a combo hunt that we offer 
where guys can come hunt elk and deer because um, typically they kill their elk pretty pretty quick so then they get a chance to go focus on the deer but um you know i i, I kind of i've changed the way i do that deer hunt in the past few years i i run that hunt now knowing it's such a tough hunt i run it more on a trophy fee basis or a, or a kill fee basis because some years i mean it's great and some years it's tough i mean as far as production goes so you know i, I allow guys the opportunity to to come and, and stay at our lodge and, and basically just cover the expenses that we have. And then if they, if they kill a deer, then they pay a, a kill fee. And, I, and it, I think it's a fair way to do it because just, it's such an unknown. I mean, you know, it's just so across the board as far as, as you know, if it's going to produce or not. I mean, the one guarantee I give to guys is, is that there are really big deer there. I mean, like, you know, you're going to see their, you're going to see their tracks. We're going to have preseason photos of them during archery season and during, you know, early October, but finding them during the actual hunt can be tough. Yeah. What about antelope hunts? I mean, we, most of the, most of the antelope hunts we run are on our private ranches and you will not find anywhere that carries the average that we do. I mean, we're carrying an 83 to 85 inch average consistently on our antelope with 100% kill. I mean, we've killed multiple bucks that are right at 90 inches. Um, that area's genetics are, are phenomenal. Um, as far as public land hunting goes, the disadvantage to New Mexico, and and actually Adam Bronson talked on this, talked about this in your last podcast, but, you know, if you draw a, a, a rifle tag, they put you on a ranch, which I don't really care for that, but that can be a disadvantage because you don't know which ranch they're going to put you on. Now, when it comes to the archery hunt, um, you get free reign to go wherever you want to go. And that's what the, the archery tags are fairly easy to draw. I mean, if there's anybody out there that would, that wants to hunt, you know, antelope with a bow, if you get in the outfitter draw, um, your odds of getting that tag are very good. And we have access to so much private ground with so many good antelope that it makes for just an incredible hunt. Um, so that is, that, that's kind of where I would steer guys if they want to bow hunt antelope to, to apply in the outfitter draw, you've got great odds of getting a tag and then you get to hunt all this private land. I mean, that's something that we offer to let the guys come in and hunt the private land and hunt these giant bucks before the rifle hunters start. Um, the disadvantage to our landowner tags, if you're willing to come hunt with a rifle, they're, they're great. I mean, you can go out there and smoke a Boone and Crockett buck, but the, if you want to come bow hunt, the landowner tags are, they're too expensive. I mean, they're, these landowner tags that they issue for antelope or any weapon. So it's not feasible for a bow hunter to come and spend the same money as a, as a rifle hunter and hunt with a bow in August when he can come and hunt during October with a rifle. It's just the, the you know, the, the, the arch, obviously the archery hunts are tougher but that's why I urge guys to get into the public draw for the archery, try to draw that, you know, that public archery antelope tag and then come and hunt our, pri- our private land. Um, it just makes for a great antelope hunt. Same thing with, they also have handicapped uh, mobility impaired hunts. Those are the same way. So for guys that have a uh, mobility impaired license or you know, the, the uh, designation in New Mexico, that's a great hunt for them also. That's all great information um, for sure. 
Um, so, I mean, as far as quality for elk, deer, and antelope, um, it sounds like you have just phenomenal quality. Yeah, you won't, you won't, I don't think you'll touch our quality anywhere else in the state of New Mexico. Um, if you go on my Instagram or on our Facebook, you'll see, um, right now I'm in the middle of posting 2015 photos. Um, I'm not the greatest at keeping my website updated. I mean, you go to my website, you'll see a lot of, a lot of big animals, um, from previous years, but, you know, we've just recently entered the social media arena. Um, and it's been good because I can get, current stuff out quicker i mean it's easier for me to do it from my phone i'm on the road a lot i mean i travel a lot have a busy life so it's easier for me to to kind of get that out there um, and let people see what we're actually killing and um you know i mean we we kill some tremendous animals and that's that's why our business has grown so much in the past few years is because we do kill a lot of really big animals and and you know it's not just about the size of the animal it's the the kind of hunt that we give guys and the experience and the staff that I have is unbelievable. I mean, I have the best staff and best team of people you'll ever see at a, at a hunting camp. And when clients call me and want to talk about a hunt, I send them a reference list that is is the longest reference list they'll ever see in this industry. And, and I, I urge them to, to talk to references, talk to people that have hunted with me for years. You know, I mean, that's where you really get an idea of what's going on. And, you know, we, we've we perfected what we do. I mean, I just have such a, a, amazing guides and amazing staff that run the lodge. I mean, you know, we are we are a bigger outfitter than a lot of your a lot of your guys over there, but we we produce. I mean, we give we give a five star experience and we produce phenomenal animals on top of it. A lot of your lodges, you know, they they're more, you know, into the just the killing, just killing bulls or you know, killing bucks. It's just average stuff. But you know, we kind of have blended the two. You know, we're we're a trophy hunting operation, but at the same time, we offer you know all the the amenities that guys get at these five star lodges, and you know, we kind of have meshed the two together, and it just it makes for it's a recipe for success for for us. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. And uh, I want to give you a chance to let the listeners know how they can get a hold of you. Obviously, we're we're uh, not far from the March 23rd deadline, so you need to get a hold of Tom right away. Uh Tom, how can they find you? Uh you can you can go to my website. It is bmohunts.com. Um you can go to my website, you can you can call, you can email me. My email is Tom at bmohunts.com, and you can also reach me. You know, you'll see my phone number on the website, and we are on Instagram and Facebook. Our Instagram is at bmohunts. Um, I would strongly encourage people to follow our Instagram account because I, I relay a lot of relay a lot of things through there, and you know we I have a I have a text service where I, I text out you know, cancellation hunts. A lot of times we have cancellation hunts in July and August that come available. And so I urge people to get on my on my text list where I can send you a text directly and say, hey, we've got a tag available. You know, and I've also got an email list that I send out, you know, emails. A lot of times though, emails not as not as effective as getting a text message to people. Um, so, I mean, I kind of use all the 
all the spectrums to stay in touch with people. But I mean, you can you can go to my website, get my phone number, call me directly, or you can email me. You know, a lot of times it's better just to call me. Um, if I'm on the road, I can I can you know talk to you on the phone and try to give you a rundown. It's a real simple process if you want to get into the guided draw. Two simple forms you got to fill out, fax them or email them to us, and we'll take care of your application. Uh, New Mexico takes all the fees up front, so you'll have to pay for your fees up front, but if you don't draw the tag, they give you the fees back, and they only hold the funds for about 45 days. Awesome. Well, it's coming up, and it looks like it's going to be another good year. Hopefully, we'll get some March and and uh, April showers here, um, but it sounds like you know you had a great moisture year last year, and and uh, good good snows, um, you know, this year. And uh, you know, if we could just get some March, April, uh, May showers, get some get some spring moisture there, I think it uh, could just be over the top this year. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping the weather starts to starts to come in. That's awesome. Well. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks for spending time with us here. And um, if until I t- see you or talk to you next time, God bless you, buddy. And um, yeah, looking forward to uh, seeing all the success of your uh, fall season. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me on. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. Thank you.